Hi guys, welcome back to the Clones Air Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Hurley. And I am your co-host, Sean Ferrick. And Sean, for the first time in what feels like an eternity, we are not talking about anything Star Trek The Next Generation related. Would you believe it? I almost don't believe you. I actually almost don't believe because it's been so long. Like, I know. What was it like, you know, 11.5 weeks? Oh, no. Uh, I love The Next Generation. I do, but... Yeah, let's just talk about it again then for the hour. Um, yeah, anyway, let's, let's, let's do that. Yeah. What could we possibly have not said at this stage? Next generation, it's so good. Um, this week, we're going to jump forward in time a bit, and we're going to discuss the three Kelvin era movies, uh, 2009, 2013, and 2016. I always get the year of Into Darkness wrong. I was going to say, was it not 12? Yeah. According to IMDb, it was 13. I was... No, I, yeah. It says 13 and Rotten Tomatoes as well. That's good. No, no, sorry. No, I think yeah, like you're right. I, I'm the same. I just kind of went, oh, sure. I just mash all the years together. Never actually know what's going on. It's an interesting group of movies that we're going to get into. Um, one of the things I suppose about it was as Star Trek fans, we needed these movies. And when we get into a bit more, like, there was nothing and there was no plan for anything and there was no sense of anything coming down the line really was there like because when this was announced was it 06 um or 07 like you know enterprise i think we all secretly deep down had a strong suspicion enterprise wouldn't last you know the full seven seasons and nemesis hadn't really kind of landed and it just felt like it was all gone and we didn't know where we were going to go with it and then star to go nine was announced and it changed a lot of things going forward. It really did. Like, obviously, it did. It. Star Trek 09, right? Here's my big statement of the pod straight away. Star Trek 09 saved the franchise. Yeah, I actually yeah. fully agree. I have huge problems with the movie, but I fully agree with the importance of what the movie brings. That That's it. Like, I mean, I go through, I go through periods of... I loved it in the cinema right i came out grinning from ear to ear i was like this is god this is brilliant star trek is fun again it's great dad loved it as well and we fed off each other's energy and then i kind of went you know i kind of was like no oh, well then there was that and then there was that and why is the enterprise bigger than a galaxy class and all this kind of stuff um and uh but then i kind of come back around then as well going ah listen all right there there's imperfections in every film every single mm. film, including including the undiscovered countries the first contacts you know there is imperfections in them um and i think this is a film with a lot more heart than i think even i originally thought like jj abrams okay so i think this is well known to this stage jj not a trekkie yep. wasn't a trekkie coming to the franchise and very different from Stuart baird Star Trek Nemesis, uh, who was not a Trekkie and also seriously, apart, like, you know, was somebody holding his dog hostage or something? <laughs> um, JJ was like, let's make the best film that I can, you know, love it or hate it. I think he made a, uh, you know, I, I think he made a, a good watershed film for the franchise. Other people put a lot of Easter eggs and references and everything. You know, there were, there were Trekkies in the room that says, all right, I think we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do this. Um, I, I mean, look, just running through the cast, I just want to open with Carl Urban. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
brilliant. Now, Quinto's like just a little bit under her in terms of how well they play the character, but Carl Urban for me is just he, he is my favorite in these films. The um, I actually like we often you know we, we very much make the point that why we might say criticize say you know an interpretation of a character is never it's never a criticism of the actor um in that kind of situation like for me i am not a fan of quinto spock at all um okay. i very much i like spock you know i i think we discussed before spock to me is my favorite character of all and i just felt that I just, I completely didn't agree. I didn't like their interpretation of what they wanted to do with him. Again, no disrespect to Quinto's character. Jesus, Quinto did exactly what he was, you know, asked to do, but I just found the writing was totally off of him. There's always this kind of thing, isn't it, with kind of Spock is kind of, yeah, he smiled for five seconds in the cage. So that means we can just throw in the emotions <laughs> right in center. You're going, you don't really need to, lads, lads. It was only five seconds. Like, um, just before we go ahead with that, actually, one thing, quickly looking at the ratings first. IMDb has this as a 7.9 out of 10 Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus Christ. Tomato meter is 94% of 354 reviews. And for a quarter of a million audience scores, 91%. That is actually a lot more than I kind of thought it might have been, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I... I am both surprised by that and also I'm like, okay, I can buy it because because this is popcorn Star Trek through and through. Ah yeah, completely. I mean, it is, yeah. Yeah, this 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 was made to get your heart rate up, which I think does it very, very well. Mm. Um it uh, I, I I don't I, I don't think this was an intention in the room, but this was like, all right, we've done 10 films, and this one just bursts in the door going, Hey lads, do you want to see what I can do with a budget? The um the thing with it as well is like it's kind of we we've often discussed what would you if you were to introduce someone to Star Trek what would you show them and like with the issues I have with this I'd still show this because I'm kind of there going you know what it gets the idea into you you know what that it is it's quick it's fun the thing with it was is that like when it came out like how to put it. At the time, you know, Canon and Star Trek was so tight, like you know, people went mad about Enterprise and they were going, Yeah, but like this wasn't referenced in the original series, that wasn't referenced in the original series. And then this comes along, it just basically takes a sledgehammer to it. And as a, you know, like you kind of ah, that's not right, this is blah blah blah, and all this kind of nonsense. But as time has gone by, I've totally just said, ah, who cares? Look, whatever. It's you know, like I think like the movie itself basically says it's parallel universe, lads. Like that's what it is. Yeah, this is not really yeah, yeah, exactly. So as a result, then I've softened over the years with it. And like as you said, if you just kind of say to yourself, John, you know there's this is not massively depthful, it's not you know massively in the vein of the Rascons and things like that. It's just turn it on, watch it, and you're done with it. And like I've seen this loads of time in the cinema, every time it gets re-released, I'll go because I do enjoy it. Mm. I have issues with certain parts of it, but overall I do enjoy it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same actually. I saw it uh on the first release and then I, I did, were we we were both at the the live uh, orchestra version yes, of this, weren't we? we were, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so that actually right, that's a clear memory I have from day one sitting in the cinema. I was like, I hate the theme. I hate it. That was my that was my first reaction, right? I was like this. Dun, 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 dun. That's not. I don't like that. No, 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 no. Of course, <laughs> now I catch myself humming it three times a day. You know, and actually, when I got a few years ago. I got my very, very first like surround sound entertainment system. And what was the piece of music I tested it out with? My neighbors hated me. Um, and of course, this little known composer, um, Michael something, uh, uh, who now like 
basically now whenever a movie's getting made, they go, well, do we go with Hans or Michael? Which one do we go with now? Um, but he had, I think, worked on every JJ pro- project, I think, up to that point. I know he had done, I, I think, think he, he had, did, yeah. Like, Dark Angel did Lost, uh, did, did Cloverfield, even though there's so little music in Cloverfield, but he did mm-hmm. write the theme to it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, now, yeah, I'm just like, oh, bloody brilliant. But the soundtrack, it, it, it's a perfect representation of the film. It's a, now, Joe, you stand there, you stand there. Now I'm going to roundhouse kick you to the side of the head. And that's what this soundtrack is. Uh, and it is by, even though I like them all in their own way, it is by far my favorite score of the three films. Um, I, I, would, I think I would go one, three, two. And, well, you're going to hear me say a lot of that this evening. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was good. And, of course, the closing credits are a lot of fun. And that's them just having the, having the crack at that point. I think as well, I can't remember who to put it up on Twitter over the weekend and they said about enterprising young men. And like, I have that on, like, it's just, it's so good. Like the whole scene is brilliant because it's all about, it's just, what's great about it is like, you know, it's just fast. They're on the shuttle leaving Earth. You see the Enterprise, like, throughout the, you know, throughout the span of the music, they get onto the ship, Kirk is, you know, pulled away to one side, Spock goes to the bridge and Enterprise is space dock. It's it's just great. It's so fast. It's so well done. It's just it's kind of you don't have time to sit down and kind of wait. It's not all these explanations who the characters are. Like even Pike just walked onto the bridge. Hi, how's it going, everybody? Sorry we can't do anything. Look, we gotta go. Bye. Out we go. That was it. And it's great and it works so well with it. I love as well the music for the space jump scene. Um, how well that kind of like when they have to, you know, they jump off the shuttle down to mm. the drilling platform. I just thought that was brilliant. But again, I think I'm, I think one of the things about that was that that was one of the scene, the early scenes that was released before the movie came out. And like, I think it was in all the trailers. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. But when you think of it, it was masterful in terms of how they marketed it because like I remember being glued to trekmovie.com at the time. Like I was yeah. every morning I come into work and there was something new. There was, you know, this person's been cast, that person's been cast. You're going, Jesus Christ, this is brilliant. And then the first trailer came out uh, with the construction of the Enterprise, and you were going, "Oh man, oh, this is a bloody girl!" That was that one got that because they put that on the front of Cloverfield, and wasn't expecting it. And that's one thing I will say: this one thing JJ can do is he can keep secrets. Oh yeah, and very much so. Yeah, good at I, that. I loved as well actually at the premiere of Cloverfield. Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto was there, and you could clearly see Quinto was doing the whole method acting thing because he's clearly there going must maintain control. And it's if you go onto the Cloverfield page on IMDb and you actually scroll down to the pictures of the premiere, you'll see them there, and it's gas looking at the two of them from it. And you're going, Jesus Christ, this is mad straight from the set. But when the first proper trailer came out, like I still remember the website had been updated and there was a timer countdown and i think it was like six o'clock say gmt over here in europe and um i remember just i was literally sitting by the pc refreshing like crazy and then the timer started going up instead of going down is there what the hell is what? happening here and then eventually the trailer loaded but i remember this is back like my internet wasn't exactly the best in the whole world mm. so i had to kind of press play and then pause and watch the oh, bar let the it load we had that a good few years earlier for the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. So this is yeah. 2002 where I believe we were rocking a walloping 56 K um, <laughs> internet. And I swear to God, it took hours myself. My mate Darren were just like, I don't even know if I want to see the film anymore. Like I'm just so frustrated. <laughs> 
the um like when the first trailer came out the proper one and like all the, the trailer music from two steps from hell and things yes. like that and just the two trailers i still think are absolutely phenomenal they're fucking brilliant they, they hold up so well because like you're looking for the first time and you see like kirk driving the car when he's a kid and you see these massive skyscrapers in the background you see the enterprise being constructed and all this you're going jesus christ they're going it's about goddamn time one thing about this i'm curious what your opinion would be on this and i thought about it at the time and um i was thinking to myself with the reboot i was there going please god let them make it a connected trilogy of movies instead of standalone movies because i felt that would have worked better because just with the actors they had i was there going like chris pine was an up-and-coming star and they're going you might get him for a whole series of movies mm. so they're going would it make more sense to make a connected group of movies rather than the standalone which obviously they did and as we'll discuss it kind of you know kind of momentum kind of fed out with it do you think it would work better if it had been a connected tree or the better as it is as a standalone set of three movies i think that's actually really good i haven't thought of that before so thinking of the three of them as they are, I think if it had, we'll call them one and two and make them a two-parter, because actually there's a lot of the thing I like about three is that feeling that, it, you know, time has passed yes. and things yeah. like that. Um, but one of my, one of my issues, I have a notepad on it with Into Darkness is that it's just like, Grant, okay, cool. Doing a new story. That's grand. That's, that's, that's fun. And then even it became, well, okay. Well, we're not talking about Into Darkness yet. But it was trying too hard to be another film. Yes, correct. in the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it didn't feel as much of a sequel as even I suppose. Okay, to be fair, Wrath of Khan is technically a sequel to the motion picture. Technically, yeah. Yep. Um, but did it better? I don't know. Whereas then, Search for Spock <laughs> picks up where Wrath of Khan left off. Yeah, uh, and and so on and so on. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. Um. I'm because say, like, yes, I just—it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, because like you know, at the end of this, he's captured the Enterprise, and kind of they're going. All the timelines make no sense in this. Yeah, in exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, could you imagine if you were like a lieutenant commander on the Enterprise, and then suddenly this cadet who shouldn't have been on the ship in the first place is captain three weeks later? <laughs> they're going, hang on a second here now. This is totally wrong. Like, I might made your review in six weeks. I'm totally bringing this up to my superior officers that I don't agree with. <laughs> I've been trying to get promoted for the last six years. <laughs> Imagine Harry Kim like, hang on a second here now. Oh, my this, God. Oh, never never tell that. Harry Kim about these films. <laughs> <laughs> but like from from point of view of like you know because you know that with the passing of the torch and having Leonard Nimoy in it as Spock and things like that um I, I think Spock is well Leonard Nimoy Spock is good in this I do really enjoy him because well, it's Leonard Nimoy like, and he's well, yeah, bloody yeah. very good like but in fairness to Chris Pine like it's see the, 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 the thing is right I think I think it's always a tough one with Kirk because you might have this impression we discussed this when we were discussing the original series is that there's this viewpoint that kirk is like this kind of brash i don't follow the rules kind of guy right but that isn't him at all like that's the perception but if you actually watch the original series he's an incredibly smart intelligent man he really he knows the rule book like backwards like and if you don't know that check out the episode um jesus i picked this one of my favorite episodes from season one um court martial 
and oh, you yeah. see it the way he's like the Admiralty is trying to interrogate him and kind of say you did something wrong just say it it'd be gone he's there absolutely not like I followed the regulations I did what I was supposed to do in the manner I'm supposed to do it and all this kind of thing so when you watch Kirk in this film like he's a bit of a kind of a you know a bit of a dude bro like kind of hey yeah cool like space why not and you're going that's not really him though now again look obviously no father figure because death was Dan all this kind mm-hmm. of thing but it's just, again, you have to kind of say to yourself, it's an alternate universe, so it's not going to be the same as what would have been William Shatner's younger Kirk. It is, yeah. I And Kirk is no longer a problem with this film, but I did struggle with him a lot now in even maybe the first or second watch. I, I was, with all of the respect in my body to the actor, I hate teenage Kirk in this film. He's and in it, it for like four seconds. And, and it's four seconds too long. Um, and I, I said, again, nothing against the actor. Nothing at all. Wish them well. Hope they're doing well. But oh my God, I'm just like, I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate it in the trailer. I hate it in the film. And I still do. I still am just like, I really don't like this scene. Anyway, that aside, um, I, like you said as well, losing the you know the parental figure growing up. There's actually funny enough. Are you are you up to are you watching Strange New Worlds at all? No. Um, I can't say too much. There is. Well, I saw the first episode, so I saw his brothers in it. Great. Okay, then that's enough. Yeah. So so there is there is a deleted scene from this film. Yes, that's right. That that is it's not particularly long, but it shows that Samuel Kirk was running away from home in that scene. Like, it even changed his name in the film. Like, it is Samuel Kirk, but I think they're called, like, Jeremy or something in the released version of it. Because I think they just went, oh, listen, I'm, I'm not going to... We're not worrying about family and everything. This is Jim's film. Uh, in it, he's running away from his uncle who's being abusive. Yeah. And, you know, it's a terrible... And it's, I, I wish they hadn't cut it because it also... It explains why Jim is a little tearaway the way that he is. Yeah. Because um, in it, in the released film, he's, like, he's just an arsehole. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but so then when we get to Chris Pines, Kirk, in the bar scene that I absolutely have to shout out that as Uhura walks through that door, if you look really carefully, my buddy Paul is standing at a table in that scene. Is he now? My buddy Paul Sutherland is in that scene. Yes. Oh, bar think- patron number in 2009. It's on his the, IMDb. I was about to say it. Yeah. I think, I, I think yeah. I've seen him reference it somewhere. Yeah. It's because he always has a bit of crack about it. He's like, you know, <laughs> I think you see him for about like a half a second or something. But he's there. That's the important part. Um, and then that, I think, is the only scene where I see shades of an impersonation of Shatner. Um, really? Just a tiny bit, because she's, I think, I think Mahora says, um, you know, I thought you farm boys only have sex with animals. And he goes, well, not only. So I, there was something in the way he delivered it. Hmm. And I thought that was a bit. Because, again, this is one of our first scenes with Chris Pine. Like, obviously, yeah. I'm going to judge you straight away with <laughs> Shatner in my head. And I got like, oh, is this a tiny little bit? But then, almost the only thing between that scene and him walking onto the shuttle with McCoy that I don't like, and it's in the trailer as well, is him going, why are you even talking to me, man? It's like, buddy, I know you have more respect for Pike than that. Like, like you've shown it yourself. It's just one line. It's literally hmm. just one line that I just be like, mm, because it was a bit forced. But I mean, I'm nitpicking. That's how much I've come to really like the film. Jeez, that's odd because I actually don't mind that line at all. I actually quite, I actually quite enjoy it. Yeah, um, boot licker. 
Sorry, we have we have to go back actually to the start because I totally listed out. It like the opening scene with the U- with the USS Kelvin is absolutely brilliant. It is, it is. Absolutely no, no, it is. It's a great opening to a Star Trek film. It's a great opening to a film. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's really really good. Because like it just had like the the emotion in it and things like that and the kind of knowledge that he's got to stay behind and actually save the ship and all that. Like I was with a very young unknown actor. Playing uh, yeah. George Kirk. Yes, it's it, it's gas to see when, when you see him nowadays. Like it's it's like nowadays when people see Tom Hardy and they're going, "Geez, he'd be great in Star Trek." You're kind of there going, "Yeah, that's, well, he kind of was like he you didn't was. say that at the time, did you?" <laughs> it's the same with Chris Hemsworth. You look at him now, like you know, man size of a mountain. You're going, "Christ, I'd love to see him in Star Trek." You're going, "Actually, not only was he in it, he nearly stole stole the movie with his with his performance." Like. It's bonkers, right? Because I believe at the time we're recording this uh, end of June, uh, it's going to be released on Wednesday anyway. Um, but <laughs> as like he's got the biggest he's ever been is going to be in the upcoming Thor film, and you're like, how much bigger can the man get? Like, where's the scene in a Starfleet uniform for Star Trek Four? Like, you'd have to like sew three of them together just to fit around the arms. I'd say they'll just paint it, be perfectly. Uh, that would make sense. Which, yeah, that oh, would be going to like yeah. They're going to pull a Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern on it, aren't they? They're just going to CGI it on. <laughs> the only way, if you know, there's not enough material in the world. Question for you, right? So when you look at the original series and you look at the original six movies, right? You have your triumvirate: Kirk, Spock, McCoy, right? Mm. Which obviously was not going to fly at all, right? So they had to say, we can't just have Kirk, Spock, McCoy. So it has to be Kirk and Spock, right? That's fine. So Uhura had to be brought into that three, right? Mm. But do you feel it was a bit of a cheap way of bringing her in by going, we don't know how to get her in here without saying she's dating one of the two lads. And Kirk is too obvious, so we're just going to make it Spock. I actually, do you know, I actually disagree with that because okay. I think the way they they wrote her in, um, that I I like I like the first scene in the bar because you can see that even though they profess to not like each other, there is a already a rapport between herself and uh, Kirk. Yeah. Then, yes, there is a slight kind of. Of course, it's her roommate he goes home with. You know, of course. But I, again, I actually, there is a degree of like. Yeah, everyone just hangs out in their underwear in their in their houses, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so there is a degree of that, and in the next, it's a we we will get to oh that God, yeah, in the darkness as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was. I do feel it was exploitative, but it, funnily enough, I actually think the scene was written quite well. That already by the time you get to um, everyone suit up and boot up and get onto your ships, I was like, no, like she's she's already a character, and not just because we all know who Uhura is. Actually, this version of Uhura is as well. Um, and had been set up in such a way that she knew Kirk outside of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, the the depiction of how she has that chat with Spock sort of for me. I don't know if it adds up with what we then discover. You know, when she goes up to Spock and says, "I should be on the Enterprise," you know, I'm fully, you know, I'm you know, basically saves her own life. You know, I'm fully qualified. I'm the best in the. And she's like, I don't believe this. You know, but you're like, she could just be like, "We will talk about this at home." You know, like it was a bit like, okay, knowing there was a bait and switch coming, it was a bit like that's a bit awkward. But then, <laughs> so they get so they get onto the ship together, and actually, how it works, how they work her in, and she is the linguist or the linguist. You know, she has all these skills. Uh, and Pike, I I really really like Bruce Greenwood's Pike. I have yes, to say. yes, hundred percent, fully agree. Yep, um, and he's straight away. She has the skills. Great, cool. 
uh, Crewman, you're relieved. Uhura, you're up. I, I think it works. Um, but I think, yeah, like there is a triumvirate in these films and McCoy's not one of them. No, he isn't. But what I'm trying to, I suppose, my question is, do you think the love story works? Uh, no. Yeah, it doesn't. I, it, was played, it was played for jokes. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind. I have been known to laugh. But um, <laughs> what? No way. I know. Who, I know. Anyone who watches your videos and listens to these podcasts, there go. That's a total bit like. I am a cold <laughs> fish, is what I am. Um, I. Yeah. No. 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 To be honest, no. And, uh, because... and, and like, there's some really awkward dialogue with it then as well. Like, in kind of like to think, is it just after Vulcan is destroyed and uh, like Uhura is talking to Spock and like. It's the line of dialogue Spock is given, like you kind of, you know, I, you know, I hope basically I want everyone to perform at their maximum efficiency. And you're going, what? Like I found as well with the dialogue of Spock, it's almost like they're going with the write it like very formally, but they kind of went way too formal because, like again, if you watch the original series, Spock never speaks as formal as that. Like he's very, you know, logical in how he presents information, all that. But it was just. It was this really awkward, unnatural dialogue they gave to Zachary Quinto. Like when he was casting the role, they were going, Jesus, perfect. Like, this is great. He looks absolutely yeah. phenomenal. But just the dialogue was all over the shop. And he came across, and we'll discuss it obviously in the next two movies. He comes across as basically permanently angry and a bit of a prick as well. <laughs> like, it's just kind of, what the hell is this about? You get the odd kind of flashes of him being, you know, on the ball, and you're going, oh, yeah, that's the Spock I'm looking for. But too much of it, I was just there going, no, I'm just, I'm not buying this at all at all. Like, um, I, it is a, it's not that I don't like the, Joe, you know what, years ago, someone, someone made a very good point. Now, this kind of goes into, into darkness, but it kind of works for this film as well. Hmm. And the portrayal and the writing of the character. I love, I love Quinto as Spock, right? I, I think there are some, some of the directions are a bit like, and the problem with that is that if you think about the success of Nimoy as Spock, and actually I'll go so far as to say what Peck is doing as well, and obviously he has the benefit of having seen Quinto, um, Spock worked because he didn't show the emotion. You knew it was there, yes. but he didn't show it. Yep. Quinto's because maybe the thought was like, it's a movie, we have less time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, um, I, you know, that the first one, uh, where he Pike or Pike uh, Kirk has to wind him up, yes. Uh, and Sarek is the one who shoots, like you know, kind of spot, you know, kind of it's it, this is very shocking. I think that scene works really, really well. And I think of the three of them, I am most forgiving of emotional Spock in 09. Um, yeah, we'll get to Into Darkness beyond. <laughs> I uh, I didn't mind it, but. At least they hung a lampshade on it in Beyond. I will say that. Yeah, it's just like as as you, John actually make a really valid point because like you know everyone knows by now it's not that Vulcans don't have emotions; they do have emotions. It's how they kind of keep them up. But for this, like for this movie, everything is kind of exercised, energized, all this kind of thing. And in this movie, it's kind of we've got to let new people know who the hell he is and what he's like, and we don't have time to you know kind of are you say people know. Or whatever, we've got to basically explain his entire character in a very short period of time. Like, so I can accept it from that point of view. It doesn't work for me, but I totally understand where they were going, kind of with it. Um, one thing as well, like it, we've often discussed as well, like not just on the podcast but offline, like about 
say the I, I'm just going to, I'm always going to call it the Marvel influence of humor and things like that and how basically oh, yeah. everything, everything has to be a joke and all that there's one brilliant part in this where there's there's a good bit of subtle humor in this which I do like like before the space jump scene when uh, Pike says to Spock basically you know the ship is yours and he kind of says you know mind the ship Spock it's brand new and he's gone it's great it's really good but there's an excellent line um, just at the start of the space jump scene when they're on the shuttle and um Kirk talks to Engineer Olsen, who's a complete <laughs> absolute moron of the highest order. Right, he, he kicks some Romulan ass. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. It's absolutely ridiculous. But he turns to um, Sulu and he basically says, like, what kind of combat experience do you have? And Sulu just kind of looks at him fencing. Like, Sulu knows deep down he can kick someone's ass, no hassle. But he says it and Kirk is kind of, I just love the way that Kirk just looks at him. And the expression kind of hangs there. And Sulu is still just preparing himself. And it's brilliant and it works. And it's just this wonderful, subtle bit of humor. It leading no words, no dialogue. Didn't hang for too long. There was no stupid musical cue. It's in there. It's bang. It's done. It's gone. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it works. It's it's good. It's punchy. Um, You know, it. I think that's what, yeah, it is. It, it's a good, I, I think it's a well-written film. I think it is an excellent, excellent sci-fi film. It's one um, like it's one of the things in like you can't like it, for for me it was, it was hard to me just change my perception on all of science fiction and kind of going do you know what look death means nothing like you know anything can happen there can be multiple universes there can be this change that change you can be on a planet in a different solar system and see a planet being destroyed like Spock can see Vulcan being destroyed from the you know from Delta Vega and kind of there going. Yeah, he really can't. He shouldn't be able to see that. Yeah, if it's as clear and as big as it was, I think Delta Vega would be also having a few problems. You know? But you know what's really funny is that, like, Delta Vega, that was, Delta Vega was in another episode of the original series. I can't remember which one it was. It, right, right, right at the beginning, it's where they maroon Gary, uh, Gary, Gary, no, Seven. Gary Seven. No, um, no Gary Mitchell. Uh, Yes, we both went to the same place, guys. Yeah, but, but people are complaining, kind of saying, "Yeah, but it's an ice planet here. What's going on?" And you're kind of there, going, "Like lads, like on planet Earth, like we have like places that have a lot of ice. Yeah, you know that. Like there's other places of desert. Like it's possible that a planet has more than one. I think it was. I think it was saying it was Class L or something like that, which I think is ice planet or something like along those lines. Yeah, um, because I think actually, if I think the other ice planet, I think of of course is Timeless, timeless Voyager. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Class yeah. L as well. That's right. The um, but our, like we have to obviously talk about our uh, antagonist, which is Eric Banner. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever what do you read think? the? Did you ever read the comic Countdown? I never did. No, I, I, I kind of haven't got there yet. I will, because I think it's quite short, isn't it? It's only four. Like, I actually, yeah. what I'll do is I'll send it to you after this, because I have it. Um, it's actually quite good. It's like, it, it's actually, it's, it's, it's really good, because like, it leads directly into it. It's got Picard and the Enterprise and Data and Geordi and all that. Like, Geordi helps to design the jellyfish and all that kind of thing. Um, so it's actually really enjoyable, but like Eric Banner, yes, I enjoyed him. I think he's good. I like him. Um, I think he's just re- I, the the big thing with it though is that like you're not given what happens after the yeah. Kelvin incident and with him suddenly reappearing. There's nothing about you know like I I think you 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 probably notice like in the deleted scenes it shows the you know the graphic of the Klingon ships arriving. To kind of arrest the Narada. Then there's scenes of him on the Klingon prison, which are in the trailer. And kind of they're going, there's a bit left out here, guys. We kind of would have needed that bit of backstory. It, it, like it's it's really quite important. For example, he goes from having an ear to not having an ear. 
Yeah, um, that's right. Um, like, I, I, I do feel the film is less without that scene because I think yeah. it's actually, yeah. no, like this is, this is an actual part of the plot that you need. Mm. Um, but I guess if they were... I don't know, it's hard to say because I've seen the deleted scene on the, you know, so like I know now the story. So I, I guess I enjoyed it, you know, without it. But I think that that one of the problems is that he's too charismatic for how little he's in it. Yeah, that like even when he first meets, you know, the Enterprise and he's kind of there going, hi, hello, Christopher, I'm Nero. I <laughs> love going, what the heck? But yeah. I was going, that's actually yes. It's so silly. And it's because obviously our first, our first, first meeting of him is uh well this is the wrong year bye captain Rabau. oh dear oh my oh oh right be very specific when you're telling nero the year um and yeah so it's just like well he didn't look like someone with a particular sense of humor or you know kind of a mocking thing you know hi christopher i'm near okay that, yeah um actually there's a thing that's i mean what do you think of the humor in this film Like as I said to you there, some of it is fine. Like I, like I kind of, I'm trying to think: is there any joke that really kind of falls flat for me? And like, what do you think of swollen hands, Kirk? I'm not gonna lie; I actually find that whole scene hilarious. I think it's fucking gas, and I should hate it, but there's just something so ridiculous about it that I just, I. But in fairness, I think Chris Pine sells it so well because. He's a very serious kind of guy. Like, and it's just the way he just puts the hands up and they're all swollen. I just, I again, as I said to you, I should hate it, but for some reason, I really enjoy it. I'm guessing you don't enjoy it. Uh, I, I do. I, I think it just, yeah, particularly that scene just goes a little bit too far. Um, <laughs> I told, yeah, I, I'm not going to remotely disagree with you. I totally know where you're coming from. As I said, it's just so stupidly bonkers that it's come out of left field. What else do you have in terms of humor in your notes? Um, so like like that, hi Christopher, I'm Nero. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else do we have? Some of the jokes in the bar I liked between it's obviously short, but between Kirk and Uhura, you know, kind of you know, having mm. sex farm animals, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh cupcake. I did like the return of that, uh, the joke <laughs> as well. Um Scotty works for me mm. in this film. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Again, I feel, it, like, I feel like we're teasing everyone with like how how much we're gonna go on to uh, into darkness. But anyway, it works for me in this one. But it also helps that I like Simon Pegg because he's so he, he's he's just Simon Pegg with a Scottish accent, and I, that sounds like such a criticism. It isn't. But if you don't like Simon Pegg, you're not gonna like this, Scotty. No, you're not. And like as we were saying a few minutes ago, like the whole thing with this movie is everything is turned up to everything is dialed up to eleven. Like yeah. everything is. So that means Scotty has to be dialed up to eleven as well. Like because like like we'll get into again into darkness, but but again, like the Scotty in the original series, like Scotty again, Scotty was the kind of man who would know have no hassle of you know shouting down an admiral if he told if he th- if he felt he was wrong. Like Scotty yeah. would not have to take on a Klingon or Romulan ship. Like he was you know the absolute third in command of the Enterprise. Like and he's bloody great. And in this, then as you said, he is the comic relief. And at times in places. Like when he first introduced him, it's a bit like everything is a joke, and you're kind of. I, I I think what I appreciate about it is that it's almost like Kirk and Spock are just there going, um, like yeah, whatever. I don't like. We're not even going to pay attention to your joke in this situation. 
So, like, taking out the jokes, I'm curious one thing. A friend of mine messaged me the night we went to see this for the first time. And he said something. He's not a big Star Trek fan, um, but he said to me, he said, I was really looking forward to seeing them in the Academy. And it just flashes up four years later. And he says, we've missed out on so much. And I'm kind of inclined to agree with that because it's just kind of, he arrives the Academy and then it's kind of, yeah, four years later. And you're bye. Yeah, I, yes, that's, that's fair. Because, and also we as Trekkies have been teased with an Academy series since the 80s. Yes. You know, um, which I think there's now rumbles of again. It's the one idea that never dies. Uh, Star Trek, the Academy years. Um, I think there's potential talk of a, a series. I don't know. We, we'll see if it happens. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I would have liked to have seen them because we only really get like one or two. Chuck- Spock has already graduated and a commander by the time Kirk even enters, which I'm fine with. But yeah, it would be nice to see any of that, really. And hang on a second before the, the, the last question I'm going to ask on this movie is this Spock, did he design the Kobayashi Maru test or what's the crack? I, I choose not to answer as it may incriminate me. I don't know. <laughs> why? I, like... think, I think this film, this it slips into the, the, the Star Wars Marvel thing of. Every single person is connected. Everything is yeah. connected to someone else. Spock wrote the Kobayashi Maru. Mm. Uh, Kirk's dad was killed by Nero. You know, these kind of things. It's just like... Please stop. Yeah, Things can just happen. Not everyone yeah. has to be a fucking Skywalker. Like, you yeah, like, like it's just kind of like, we're going, oh, come on, really? And then, like, look, the Kobayashi Maru thing alone is kind of... In, like, it's, it, it is a bit of a nuisance because, like, when you see it in the Wrath of Khan, it's very much kind of like, you know, it comes across as being... It was so smoothly done that they were there going, how the hell did he actually do it? And then, like, in this, though, it's blatantly obvious he's cheated, like. And you're kind of there going, oh, could you have to just be a bit more subtle about it? But again, it's all dialed up to 11, and it's a different man. So that's the kind of way that goes. Um, overall, would you recommend this movie? Yes, 100%, without hesitation. 100%, it's, yeah. it's a brilliant bit of fun. Uh, it's probably... Um, for, for, I suppose, for potential Trekkies today, I, I'd say this film would probably get people to watch another film sooner mm. than, let's say... Motion picture. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want them to watch another one, don't start with the motion picture. Uh, yeah, like this movie, as you said, it's it, it saved the franchise. We were going nowhere, and there was no kind of concept of, like, It'll just be the same thing if a new movie's released. And then this came along, and for better or worse, it was totally different, and it needed to be. And if you were a new person coming in, like, you're here going, like, whatever, I don't give a damn about, like, Leonard Nimoy's interpretation of Spock and how different about the Quintos. You watch the movie, you get it, you enjoy it, and that's it. And it opened the door to where we are currently with everything, like, because kind of, you know, the next generation opened the door up. This opened the door up then to everything else. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now we move on to Sean's favorite movie in the whole wide world, which is 2013's Starting in the Darkness. This is a bit of a shocker, right? I just pulled up the ratings. Um, okay, I'm going to let you to the nearest whole number. What do you think Into Darkness has on IMDb? Six. 7.7. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, this, this is even going to be more shocking. 
to the nearest, say, five, like, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, what do you think the tomato meter is? 80. 84. Because I would have gone lower, only that IMDb is so high. And the audience score of a quarter of a million is 89%. Okay. No. Now, fair. I mean, fair. I mean it, it, listen, just because it's quarter million, them doesn't mean they're not all tick. <laughs> the, um, okay, I'm just going to open this up with a totally shocking admission, right? First off, I haven't seen this movie in years because I remember watching it going, fuck this movie, and saying, I'm not going to watch that trash again, right? So I haven't watched it in years. And I sat down, I watched it, and I was there going, up until a certain point, and be quite clear on that, mm-hmm. I was there going, I'm actually enjoying this. And I was there going, it is totally mindless entertainment, and it's not trying to be something extra. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's schlock. And I was there going, I'm on board for this, because it is exactly what it's, it's trying to be. Now, yeah. it totally, totally falls apart towards the end and then it just drags itself down completely for me and this movie for me basically finished off the, the movies uh, it, like in terms of the momentum that it built up because everyone loved the first one we went into this one and then basically the whole reveal of Khan and the ending and it was a fucking mess and the fandom fell apart and basically the momentum was gone yeah it's just not a great film and now Star Trek Beyond 2016 I'd, I'd be okay with it um, it's the, just, uh, like visually, it's bloody stunning. I think visually, oh sure, it's yeah. fucking phenomenal. There's some good ideas in it. It's just why the hell do they need to bring back Khan? Why, like, what was the bloody need for it? Like, none. Uh, it was whether because I don't get it because the first one did so. I think for for a time, the first one was the highest grossing of them all. Yeah. Um. Which because I know it beat out motion picture because also because motion pictures budget ballooned, even yeah. though it did very well in the box office, it cost a lot. Uh, and I think this one or 2009 had the biggest return on investment. Yes. Um, so like they had an audience, they didn't need to go down the remake route. But if they were like, Grant, we must do this. OK, OK, fine, fine. Um if you're effectively making your second Star Trek film, even though it's number 12, but yes. why would you remake Star Trek 2? Because that's like, do you know why they'd remake it, right? If a new Star Wars film came out tomorrow, right? And they were interviewing, let's just say Anthony Daniels, because he's in every single one of them. What do you think he'd compare the new movie to? Um, say that to me again. I think I lost that. Say that to me again. If a new Star Wars movie came out tomorrow, okay, and Anthony Daniels was in that star in this new Star Wars movie, and they were talking to him, what movie, what Star Wars movie would Anthony Daniels compare this new one to? Empire, yeah, that's what everyone does. And with Star Trek, Uh, okay, yeah, what did I always compare it to? Wrath of Khan, Uh, Wrath of Khan, yeah, yeah. So basically, that was it, right? Here's an interesting one, right? Back in the day, back in whatever 2011, 2012, I tweeted, was it Robert Dorsey? I think it was him I tweeted. And I basically just effectively said, tell me something about the movie. And he Hmm. tweeted back, right? And he basically said, like, think, you know, between the end of the first movie and where we're coming now, what in the original series would have happened in that time? Now, in fairness, there's a hell of a lot that happened in that time, so it's nearly impossible to narrow it down. But, like, 
again, it was kind of let's like I remember when the whole reveal of Khan happened in the cinema. I just started roaring, laughing as loud I, as I could. Myself because, and my dad just kind of looked at each other. But it was obvious. It was obvious from, from for ages that it was going to be Khan. I was begging that it wouldn't be Khan. And then I was kind of there going, okay, we'll see where they kind of go with it. Like, and then they cured death. And I was there going, yeah, no. I'm it's, it's, like, it's just, it just loses the absolute run of itself. Um, and it, and it, it falls into what the first movie did really well at avoiding yeah. is it becomes so obvious. Oh, yeah. Jesus um, Christ. It was, it was ridiculously obvious. It also made an absolutely horrific decision. And like Nicholas Meyer even came out and said this. And said, like, why are you trying to turn Spock into some form of an action hero? Like, you're going, like, totally right. Like, like yeah. the whole chase. And then, like, Jesus, when he's wailing on Khan and the thing and Dahur is screaming at him, you're going, please, please stop. Like, this is yeah. actually, this is actually beyond awkward at this point. But do you know what my, like, strange enough, right? The biggest issue I have with this is, do you remember the advertising when this came out? Do you remember what the kind of the trailers were indicating the whole movie was about? God, you have to take me back now. I'm trying. I do remember the trailer, but not very. I know you never got a clear shot of the vengeance, uh, even though the the shot of it warping in was always there, but you never Hmm. really got the reveal. Um, I honestly can't remember if Carol Marcus was in the trailer. Um, It did look as though not can was going to be a good guy. Um, <laughs> Benedict Cumberkan. Um, the whole kind of drive of the trailer and the narrative beforehand was Kirk has got the captain's chair in the first movie. And hmm. now this movie is I'm earning the captain's chair, right? And hmm. I was there going, okay, I, like I'm on board. Is there going to be a bit of you know depth here to the character and a bit of an arc? And then the movie ends and I was there going, what the fuck did he actually do in this movie to actually justify that? And it's kind of there going, there's a scene towards the end where Kirk turns to Spock and he basically says to Spock, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And they're going, fair enough, Frank admission, like. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the, but like, if you look at the movie, right? Like when I watched it this time around, I, I hadn't seen it in so many years. I said, right, I'm going to watch this and say to myself, what does he actually do to earn it in this movie, right? And the answer is fucking nothing. Like he kicks the thing into place, right? And that's all, right? But what if that brought me back to is when we did the next gen um, rewatch and we were talking about thine own self and Troy trying to pass the commander, the bridge officer yeah. exam. And one of the things she kept failing about was did she have the courage to order someone to, to their death in order to save the ship? And like all Kirk, like you, you actually, like, you know, Deanna Troy is better commander for that than Kirk is for just, you know, jump on the thing and kick into place. And this for me is, you know, an issue, like a lot of stuff nowadays is that they, they try to add in this depth, but when you actually break it down, there's actually nothing in it at all. Like, so there's no arc for Kirk beyond he can now basically be magically brought back to life if he's ever dead. And like, do we need to even discuss the whole Kirk death scene and Spock? I really wish down? we didn't. No. Yeah. Uh... Um, oh, you were only barely dead. Oh, gosh. Fine, fine. So hang on. So this film cures death, ren- renders starship travel completely obsolete. Um, <laughs> right. What What does anyone need with Starfleet anymore? Because we have transport beaming, which I'm not defending it because I do not like the transport beaming. It is an idea from earlier on in the franchise or something. I don't even remember where, but they didn't come up with the idea for this. They just didn't execute it very well 
but I, ca- I can't remember. I remember we were doing a, a behind the scenes thing on Into Darkness, and I was like, "All oh, right, this comes from Bleh." Oh, and I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, cheaper above. Uh, like there, like for me, there are actually good takeaways from this. I do like Scotty resigning. I do like kind of that scene where he's there going, "I yes. am not bringing these things onto the Enterprise." There's no bloody way you're going to make me. I do like Scotty in this. I actually think he, I, I, I think he works well. Um, to a degree, there mm-hmm. are certain scenes again where you're going, Jesus, lads, please just dial it back just a small bit for the love of God. I do like the Enterprise coming out of the water at the start of it as well. I do. I, and I think, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but I think Scotty says something about like, you know, has anyone thought of the ridiculousness of hiding a starship <laughs> underwater? <laughs> it always makes me think of that scene from Futurama. It's, uh, you know, kind of like, Oh my god! How many you know atmospheres of pressure are outside? It's up to ten. And how many atmospheres can this thing hold? Well, this is a spaceship, so anywhere between zero and one. Good point. <laughs> oh my god! I'd forgotten about that actually. Um, but yeah, like it's just like the look of it was really good. Although the military style uniforms are kind of completely mad. The um, like Robocop in this is I actually really enjoy Robocop in this. Well, I, he is good. Yeah, yeah. like Peter. Weller. Wells, isn't it? Weller, Weller, sorry. Well, yeah. Peter Weller just um he just oozes menace yeah. without even trying. Mm. Sorry, I'm sure he does try <laughs> with all respect to his acting skills. But it's just like we need someone to be a baddie, and he's done a bloody good job of it. But also, did I see it coming? That he was bad. I won't say it was, yeah, I won't say it was a total shock, but I don't think I got from the first scene that he was a baddie. Yeah, and I, I do like the fact that he's kind of there going like, I gave you command of the ship because I thought you'd be thick enough to do this. And you know what? You are that thick. <laughs> and that's why you did it. And I was there going, that's actually good. I enjoyed that. It kind of harkens back to the whole um, Star Trek Six thing of like that there was people on both the Klingon and the Federation side who wanted the war to keep going. And mm-hmm. with Admiral Marcus, it's very much like, I want this war with the Klingons. And if we have to instigate it, whatever, it's fine. Your ship will be found in, you know, broken down in Klingon space. And that'll be what kind of starts it. Like, again, I like that when I was, when, you know, I was watching, again, because I said I haven't seen it in so long. I love that, you know, the Enterprise going toward and suddenly it breaks down, comes out of warp and is stuck then in Klingon space. I like, you know, Sulu then threatening John Harrison and all that. And then, or what's it McCoy's line I'm like something you know remind me not to piss you off or something like that uh, and it's- I do oh I can't is this the film where it's like you know kind of like no 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 and, and McCoy stop with the puns that's an order I really like that that was a good I think that's from this one oh no it's it, it's not the puns it's something else it's the anecdote oh. no not the anecdote or yeah it's something the allegories whatever it is you're right maybe allegories like, maybe that's it yeah something like that that's actually really good Um, look I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to bring it up. One of us had to bring it up, and you know I have to bring it up. Yeah, it's that scene, like, and like, wh- why was that scene in this movie? Why was that scene even remotely contemplated? It doesn't belong anywhere in any movie. Like, um, Alice Eve was was obviously interviewed about it. For her part, she says she didn't feel exploited. She didn't feel like uncomfortable in any way. But it's so like this was a shot for the trailer. That's what yeah. this was. Um, and you'll see it on any Trek culture list generally that discusses, we will discuss the scene about how, you know, silly it is. And, um, and yet, unfortunately, I mean, well, fortunately, unfortunately, it does exactly what they set out to do with it. It gets people to click. That's, that's, that's the truth. 
you know, it works as a trailer shot. Um, you know, because people going, going, oh, great, you know, we'll see this. And of course, you do see it. And, you know, like, I suppose, I just think, I just think it's just so unnecessary. That's why it stands out. As much. I have no problem seeing people in their underwear, you know, but like, have a reason. There, there's, there, it reminds me of, there's one, um, this is going to sound so random. There's one episode of the reimagined Battlestar Galactica, right? Um, and it was one of the specials, so it had been released straight to DVD, which meant oh, yeah, they could yeah. kind of do something more. And two characters having a conversation, and for no reason whatsoever, they walk through a shower room. And everyone, is, it's, they're always like, oh, okay, there's full frontal nudity in Battlestar Galactica. And the director, Edward James almost was being asked afterwards, kind of, why? And even he went, I was told to include that. I was like, okay, right. Yes, because apparently, because it's all, it comes back to market at the end of the day. Like, you know, like, which is, and actually, funny enough, you could tell, you could tell that this film was being marketed to teenage straight boys because poor old Benedict Cumberbatch put on a ridiculous amount of muscle, filmed a shower scene, and they cut it. They filmed the shower scene with it. There, there, there is a shower scene. It's it's on the wilds of the internet there. And like, you know, at the time, uh, Benny wouldn't have been well known for his muscular physique. Like he was yeah. Sherlock, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah he, he bulked up and they cut it. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, so because you could be thinking that, well, first of all, that could, anyone with an attraction to Benedict Cumberbatch was just everyone really. But uh, you could, don't know. They left in the scene of Alice Eve in her underwear, but they cut the scene of Benny in the shower. So I think we know straight away, right? We want the popcorn munching fourteen to eighteen year olds, you know, boys. Uh, what did you think of? If I'm right, isn't this the movie where Carl Urban kind of was there going like, "Why the hell am I here? I'm literally doing nothing, and I might come back again." I I hadn't heard that he wasn't sure about coming back, but I mean like. McCoy is here, I guess. Um, but no, that, that's not against him. But again, there's the characters are in it for no reason. Having said that, um, actually, funny enough, we're however long into this podcast and we haven't mentioned him yet. Anton Yelchin does get a bit more to do in this one. I see just pitch perfect Chekhov. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's oh. very good. Like, he's very, you know, he's young, he's energetic, he's kind of like. As you said, he he gets way like I actually enjoy how they break up the characters in this. Like the two mm. who got mar- who was marginalized are Sulu and McCoy. Like the, yep. at least McCoy gets gets the planet scene, and oh, Sulu gets the you know if you test me, you will fail. So I liked that. So did I. Yeah, the well, one thing the one scene. Sorry, the one thing I enjoy about this well is it does have reference to the external media as well. So when they arrive at oh yeah, I'm. I'm I might have missed this when I watched it again. When they go to the Klingon homeworld, don't they spell it K-R-O-N-O-S instead of the normal Federation way of Q-O-N-O-S, I think it is. Yeah, I I am going to check that now while we're talking because um, I cannot remember. So um, while you're checking that, I'll reference two other things. There's a reference to the video game, which if you haven't played it right now, obviously PlayStation 3 era stuff would probably be impossible to even look at. I had that game and I enjoyed it. Um, total shock. But there is, at one point, McCoy delivers uh, a Gorn baby 
And he okay. references that in this when he's trying to deactivate the torpedo. And he says that, he references, he says, I delivered a Goran child, and all this kind of thing. And also, there was a prequel comic to this called Star Trek Before Darkness. And in that, um, Harry Mudd is in it. Harry Mudd's a female. I think she's okay. Bjorn, if I'm right. So in Into Darkness, when uh, Kirk and them are going to go down to the Klingon planet disguised as traitors, Sulu says, uh, prepare the shuttle that we took from the mud yes. incident. And I, do, I remember hearing that. We're like, oh, okay, Grant, this is obviously a reference to something I, I have not seen. Yes, um, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And also from point of view of any point in it at all, what is the point in Leonard Nimoy's cameo? In this? It's the one time I've ever been like, you actually could have done without Leonard Nimoy in this. There was a video. Do you remember how it should have ended? Yes. Did you ever watch the one from the darkness? I did indeed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically they're taking out a notepad. <laughs> Spock is giving him all the lowdown and all the, uh, on everyone he encountered over the years. And then there was also this and that and the other thing. Because you're there going like, well, yo. Make sure to, you know, get your hands on a couple of humpback whales. That'll become important <laughs> later on. Like it was just, yo, know, it was ridiculous. Like you're there going, there's just again, it was total because look, we're ripping off the Wrath of Khan anyway. Like, and was it Nicholas Myers said basically, there's a fine line between paying homage and ripping off. And like, yes, if he's saying that, like, that is a massive slap down for you and your movie. Like, and it's, it's poor, it's very poor. Um, and it's just again, it's so obviously poor as well. Like, and there were, there was, I remember there was a convention not not long after it came out. Like I remember, Star Trek fans voted it like the worst of all the movies. Like, and like, yep, fair. But no, actually, do you know what? No, it's not fair. It's it's not the worst. But at the time, I think the problem was the reaction was so bad because we were going like, "Why did you need to do this? Like, why did you feel the need to go down this road?" Like, and you know. As, as I said, just we started discussing it, it very much for me, just it ground all the momentum to a halt because you're there going like, what's the what, what's the point here? Like, like if this is what they're recycling, like, and, and they do quite poorly, like, what are we going to expect in the next movie? Like, yeah. And, and it does, it does feel that just. Ugh. There's two questions I'm going to ask you, right? One, um, maybe it's just me, right? But, a starship traveling at warp is really fast. Yes. And if you are on that ship and a torpedo hits your ship and you get dragged into space, like you'll be like you'll be a dot within a microsecond. <laughs> that, that that would be a fair point now. Um yeah, as uh, like there was so many things are in this because they would look cool. Yes, no, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine, but also annoying. Um, oh, I'm trying not to be too. I really am trying not to be too down on this film because I always give it such a hard time. I did. En- I enjoyed it in the cinema. I I did feel in the cinema. I'm really not enjoying this. Yes, uh, actually, that's completely the opposite of what I just said. But I was like, no, I was really aware of its issues in the cinema. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. And the fact that they, <laughs> the fact that unspecified villain. They had announced Benicio del Toro as being cast long before Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh was my like, God! Yeah, I we, remember that. Are we? Are we just going to pretend that this is not Khan? This is clearly Khan, <laughs> you know. Because even though I mean they're both as you know, kind of like you know when you have Ricardo Montalban playing 
an East Asian person. And, you know, but it's as bad as Benicio Del Toro doing it. But they just kind of went balls to the wall and said, ah, just get a white Englishman. You know, it, it makes about as much sense in this universe. The other, like, the, there's actually, sorry, that brought me back to one other point as well. And, well, there's two things, right? One is that at, in the final confrontation between the Vengeance and the Enterprise, like, basically both ships are completely knackered, right? And they're in orbit of the moon, right? And then it makes sense that they get dragged into the, you know, gravitational pull of Earth, because why not? not they wouldn't just fall to the moon, they'd fall to Earth. Like, where the hell is the, the massive starbase and all the starships? And, like, would they not notice? Wait a second, lads, there's two Federation ships literally beating the hell out of each other there, just, just over there. Like, you look at the window and see it. Should we do something about that? And they're going, no, no, no. Today's our day off. Like, today's a bank holiday. So, no, we'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow. Like, let those two. <laughs> but the other thing is, right? Now, this is, we've discussed this before in previous things, right? Like, references for me, like, kind of irritate me when it's a case of, you take something from somewhere else that has an emotion attached to it from where it originally comes from. You slap it somewhere else. And then what happens then is you're not creating a new emotion. You're kind of working off the old one and kind of going, hey, we're going to put this in here. We're not creating anything, but you remember that from a different movie and you're going to bring the emotion and feeling here. Like at the start of this, Spock's line of, you know, like the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one when he's going to sacrifice life. Like, I was in the cinema and I, I just, I didn't say it out loud. I kind of muttered in my, I just said, F off. Like, come on. Like, like why? Like we discussed this before. It is, you know, arguably starter, greatest scene, greatest kind of, you know, bits of dialogue and things like that. And you just, you just take this wonderful line and you just slap it in there. And I was just there going, no, like think of something else. Like, come on. Like you're getting paid a lot of money for this. Like, what the hell is that about? Like, it's, I really don't have much nice to say about this I film. Know, yeah. I really don't. Um, it kind of, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Robert Dorsey kind of disappear off the face of the planet not long after this? Because... I know, like he's, because he's not involved in Beyond, is he? No, 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 no. Um, and, oh, I don't know. As part of, as part of my, re- I still haven't, but I was sorry to answer that about what the spelling is. As part of our research, I have a, a silent clip playing here of um, Uhura and Spock having their talk on the Harry Mud ship on the way down to Crona. I was like, I'm with, I'm with Kirk. Is this the time? Yes. Yes. You know? the, love, the love story is awful here as well. Oh, it's quite bad. It's no, it, it, it's, yeah, it's not great at all. It's, it, it, it's not good. Um, right. Let's just get off this one. Um, would you recommend it? honestly I'd say well sure look if you're watching the first one and you're going to watch the third one you might as well watch Into Darkness and it's not even as bad as that it's just not great and I hate the Klingon ships in it I'm sorry I've got to be a big grouch I loathe what they call a bird of prey and not just because I love the beautiful beautiful bird of prey I just really don't like the design sorry designer I'm genuinely sorry but no, I don't like it. I don't like it. Watching this, like I gave so much of a, I, 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 I gave so much of it a pass because I just sat there and I just said, "This is schlock." And as they're going, I'm just going to relax and watch it, and I'm probably still going to not like it. And then I found myself liking it, and then it just it, it falls apart at the exact same points. If you're going to watch it, just around the time when the uh, when the two ships beat each other up in orbit of Earth, 
uh, maybe just turn off the movie at that point and like just accept the fact that the Enterprise you know gets away with it. It's fine. Forget the rest of it. It mm-hmm. completely falls. It, it unravels to a shocking, shocking degree. Like uh, towards the end of it. Uh, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> now moving on, we Yay! move on to the final movie in the trilogy. The for me criminally underrated and under even acknowledged Star Trek Beyond. Yes. So now, Sean, to the nearest whole number, what do you think IMDb has given Beyond? Nearest whole number? Yep. This time. Seven. Yes. Bang on. Seven exactly. Okay. And tomato meter to the nearest five, what do you think? 75? I'm actually surprised by this one's 86. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. glad to hear about that. Yeah. 80% audience score. Um, like, I don't know about you with this. Hang on, sorry. I was actually just compared that into darkness for a second. 84. Okay. Um, like, maybe it's just me, but like, this totally just is gone from, I think, public consciousness. I don't even think people remember too much about this it at was- all. Like, it's it's such a strange story. Like so, this film should have been an easy win because it was the anniversary year. Um, it was they could have they but they didn't they didn't pack it too full of references, which I, I appreciate that they did an original story yes. for this one. And that's not just shade against second one. I just mean like look, you have to do something original. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. They hadn't. They had an inbuilt marketing campaign, which was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Yeah, right. Like they could have, and they did did nothing with it. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Um, this film even felt like. I mean, even the, I have to. I have to say the trailers were bad for this film. Trailers were very bad. Um, very very bad. I think Justin Lin actually comes along and does a great job directing this. But they tried to make, or the, the marketing team tried to make it a Fast and the Furious film. Um, and and, it, and it's so it, to be fair, it's not that right. One of my favorite things about this film, other than Jayla, if we're getting a Star Trek for Sophia Botella, uh, obviously, uh, Anthony Ocean sadly passed away before this film was released. Uh, they said they won't recast Chekhov. Fine, put Jayla in the in the just I just need her back, she's yep. fantastic and one of the best parts of this film. But one of my favorite parts, it's a gag. Where they, he's, Kirk walks out with a cool mug, which I still haven't been able to find yet. Uh, also, love the updated uniform in this yes, one. Yes, the love uniform so is much. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, um, and controversial, I prefer this Enterprise to the Into Darkness one. I actually like the thinner, swept back nacelles. Uh, I, I seem to be on an island there, um, but I kind of like this one. I don't know because it goes into the I don't like the fact that the other one was so bloody big. Uh, and so chunky, whereas then this is uh, it's just I, yeah, it's a bit it feels a bit more streamlined. Um, I did not know that that was even there. Okay. Oh, well, right. when you look at two <laughs> pictures of them side by side, it's, it becomes quite obvious. Otherwise, okay. it's still the ship, it's not even as drastic a difference as say original series motion picture, yeah. Um, but yeah, he walks out and says, you know, kind of. Oh, it's all become episodic, and the scene is great, and the music is great. Yeah. And he opens the it, 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 it's an old gag, but he opens the thing, it's, it's the same uniform yeah, on every single hangover. Yeah. Hangover, so, okay, where's my brain at today? <laughs> um, because I was, I think I jumped ahead of my scene where they toast to George Kirk, I thought that was very nicely done as well. 
Um, McCoy, much better in this film. Used better. Still underused, but yeah. good. Um, I think a lot of the humour works a lot better in this. I, I think we talked about this recently. I didn't know all of the scenes with Commodore Paris were reshoots added six months later on. Really? Yeah, I'd know. I, I, okay, so did you not know? I didn't know that. Did you oh. not know that either? Yeah, they were all. That's why it's only, well, not the only reason, but it's only Sharia and I think I've pronounced that correctly. I think it's Sharia. Oh, God, I really don't want to get this wrong because she has such a wonderful name. Um, and I had to learn it for one of the Trek Culture videos. Um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this right. She deserves to have her name pronounced correctly. Um, uh, uh, there we go. Shorey Agadashlu, um, who I'm not sure when did the expanse start? Um, because I'm trying to think if she was in the expanse by the time this film came out. Uh, did a little, sorry, I'm just scrolling very quickly through. I obviously prepared so well for this. Uh, 2015, yes, okay. Um, and she was a main character, and like she was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, yeah, so she. Oh, just, 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 just on the yeah, point. Yeah, sorry. the expanse started twenty fifteen. Yeah, um, and she's so good in it. I think there was a. Oh, let's find a way to get her in the film, and so that's all the scenes of Commodore Paris um, are added later on after the film had wrapped, basically, and it's just him. Just it's just Kirk talking about his promotion, um, with oh. her. And that's all on Starbase Yorktown, which is why, you know, when Starbase Yorktown is being attacked, there's no signs of Commodore Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she, she quite literally wasn't there. But if you don't have that in the movie, you're missing most of the bloody arc of Kirk, like, in the movie. Yeah. What the hell, like? I, w- I wonder if, and I don't know the answer, so I wonder if there was another version of those scenes, but whether it was done, you know, with another character or or anything, I'm, I, I don't know. Um, Here's the one for you. Did you know that football manager Carlo Ancelotti is in this? I didn't, but did you know that Jeff Bezos is in this? I, you can tell me Bezos in a second. I'll tell you about Ancelotti. Apparently, Please do, yeah. He's with Zoe Saldana. Okay. He's, he's in it as a medic, and his scene was cut, and that's the end of it. Where is Jeff Bezos in this? Jeff Bezos, he- under heavy makeup. So... Um... Character who turns out to be bad, the one who lures them to the planet. Yeah. Um, she's being fitted with a universal translator. Jeff yeah. Bezos gives her the universal translator. Oh my god! Really? Uh, oh my god. Uh, apparently, campaigned very hard to be in the film as well. Uh, I think basically just went. I print money. Where? Where are you putting me in the film? Um, the um, one thing about this then as well is that this is the first time we really get Captain Kirk. Yes. I think he is bloody class in this. I think he's excellent. I think there's no more nonsense do, bro. I don't think there's any more, like, he could do anything. He's absolutely, he's a man of, you know, principle. He's a man of the kind of the letter of the law. And he's just excellent. And, like, I just, he just, he just works so well in this movie, I think. I think Pine is brilliant. He's a total transformation. And I'm just going to say it, his hairstyle is great. Oh, yes. Just yes. Yeah, um... Pretty much everyone is. I'm gonna say, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say, pretty much everyone is kind of peak character. 
you can tell Simon Pegg co-wrote the film. I was about to say, I think yeah. a lot of it is down to Pegg because I think Pegg is kind of look at the previous two going, feck the references anymore. Let's just yeah. accept that they are who they are and who we all know them to be. We're going to tell an original story and all the characters. You, you Like, if you had the original actors in the in this situation, you know, yeah, it's fine. It makes total sense. It's all it's all on board. Like, Pegg definitely streamlined a hell of a lot of this and got it back on track. Yeah. And also, if I might say so, Walloped up Scotty's role a bit. Um, I think, <laughs> Why I think, would you say that? Uh, well, I think I think yes, yeah, Simon Pegg went up the call sheets a little, a few numbers, like, um, and, but I do I do think it works. I like that. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, it's the you know the last time we'll see Anton Yelchin's version of Chekhov, but yeah. in it he, he's he's very good. Probably has because I'd I'd actually for a long time I'd forgotten how much he gets to do in Into Darkness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he actually, ironically, he has less to do in this film, yeah. but still does it quite well. Oh, yeah. also, um, sorry, we should. Uh, well, actually, no. Now that we're on the third film, we're going to talk about. It. All right, where are the three Kelvin references in these three? There's always a Kelvin reference in a JJ film. What are the three? So in in 09, a bit it's obvious. It's a ship. Yeah. In Into Darkness, what is it? Jeez, I don't know. It's the Kelvin Memorial Library that gets blown up. Oh, yes, 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 uh, yes. Of course, of course, yes. And, and then what is it in one... this? I don't know. What is it? For no reason at all. Get into the Kelvin pods. What? Yeah, I know. The escape pods are renamed Kelvin pods in this film. Ah, you're kidding me. Yeah. Really? Um, okay, I did, not, I, did, I did not pick up on that now at all. Jesus. I, I was laughing because, see, for... For Into Darkness, I didn't realize that it was a thing, but I was expecting it going into beyond. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was waiting. I was like, oh, okie dokie. Um, but yeah, and also the, the lovely thing about the Kelvin pods as well is that they look like they're not very roomy, but actually they've got a full changing room in there. You know, you can change into your away gear as you are shooting down toward the planet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like that- the fat pole. That jacket is class, though, as well. The away team jacket. It's really yeah. good. Do you know what, as well? I like just kind of like looking back on the movie in terms of like, um, you know, as I said about Into Darkness, again, this whole thing of here's where the character's arc is going to be in the movie and it doesn't exist. And then when you watch this, the arc is for both Spock and Kirk kind of, do I belong here anymore? Like, mm. if you go back all the way to the motion picture, you've effectively got the same arc for both characters. Spock is there. I don't know if I'm right here or not. Kirk is there going, like, do I belong behind the desk or whatever it is? And Kirk kind of, in this movie, Kirk kind of fits that that whole thing again. Again, it's a small thing, but it's good that we have it. And I think yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's important. Again, like, you know, I'm delighted that very early in the movie, it's kind of like the love story between Kirk and Uhura is dead and it's just removed fast. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, we're, we're done with that. Forget about it. But I have to ask you this one, Sean, because I'm just curious what your opinion on this would be, is that in that same scene, right, when Kirk or when Spock and Uhura basically end their relationship or talk about that their relationship is over, you see Sulu's character and he meets up with his husband and his daughter um, mm. and all that kind of thing, right? Now, in these movies, they show that uh, that Sulu is a gay man, okay? Now, George Takei came out and said, no, well, sorry, he came out years ago. They I did, mean, yeah, in the 90s, I believe he came out, yeah. <laughs> but he yeah. said that he didn't agree with that. So the question is, 
like I think that they said, oh well, they we're paying homage to George Takei by doing this. But George Takei came out and said, well, no, that's that that was never how I perceived him to be. I never perceived him to be a gay man. I perceived him to be maybe heterosexual, or straight, or whatever the case may be. Like, what do you think with that decision that was made for that? Um, you see, I see where I do actually see where George is coming from, right? Yeah. Um, which is he saw his Sulu as a cisgendered heterosexual man. Yep. Right. And that's how the character had been written then in expanded media. And so from his point of view, his interpretation, and through discussions with Roddenberry, because of course, I mean, Sulu was gay a long time before he came. Well, sorry, George Takei was gay a long time before he came out. Yeah. So they had discussed on the original series having a gay character. I know we've discussed this before in episodes. Yep. Um so the idea, you know, it, you know, the idea is like, well, no, Sulu's straight, but you know. So I know his problem was that the reset of the timeline shouldn't have affected Sulu's sexuality mm. or Sulu's orientation. And on that, I can say yes, I I, I actually agree with George Takei. I, mm. I do. Um I then also agree. Where Simon Pegg was saying, actually, I just thought this was okay. well. Okay, so Simon Pegg made a statement, which I actually think was made with the night. The like, seriously, it was a very, very lovely statement that making Sulu gay was a tribute to George Takei, yeah, and all of the wonderful work that he's done for LGBTQIA rights and just advocacy in general, yeah, uh, and the fact that it was done in such an understated way. I actually appreciate it because obviously sometimes you you run the risk of you know, you've overdone it or, you know, kind of like, and then that's, that's a, that's a whole of the mind. Hey, can't wait to we're discussing Star Trek discovery. Um, but uh, I do see the thing. I don't personally think it was necessary to make Sulu gay. I think the inclusion of a gay character or yeah. that character who was not heterosexual. Fine. You could have had Jayla, you know, kind of new character, do whatever you want. And there's a lot of the, it, it's in a way it's funny with the time because from the earliest days of fan fiction, and I'm talking 1967, there has been the slash fiction of Kirk slash Spock, right? And as early as it appeared, there's been people fighting back against it, and that's fine. That that'll that'll carry on for years. There are discussions of you know are the modern interpretations of older characters? Do we change them? Do we adapt them? as our own understanding of sexuality and spectrums and everything like that, do we adapt them? And it's, I don't have an answer for you. It's the mm. biggest fucking cop-out, excuse my language, was the biggest <laughs> cop-out language there. Cop-out language. I'll, I'll try and finish the point. Is that I am not against it, nor will I shout at somebody who says, why don't you just create a new character? Yeah. You know, because then you're... It's a bit like your point where you were saying lifting emotional beats from yeah. other films and dropping them in. It's like like a lot of the time, sometimes it can work. You know, you can do it as a tribute or an homage. And sometimes you're like, no, you're missing it because it worked in that scenario. Yeah. So let's say to, to stick with Sulu as a character, giving Sulu a husband, it like it doesn't make any massive statement. It, it, it's not, I, I think it's a very, very mild uh, example. I, I 
and I do think that maybe everything was blown a little bit out of proportion, but I, I think why not have another character who yeah. happens to be? Yep. Because by having one of our mains who happens to be, that itself is a massive statement. Yeah. Um, and but at the end of the day, I wouldn't take that away from any as well because there will be people who will be have been introduced to the character of Sulu through John Cho's interpretation. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe it comes down to kind of how you feel about franchise history versus these films because yeah. there's all I think I think it, it, these films I think have done the ga- every single new series does the gamut of everybody hates it it's shitting all over the franchise you're taking such liberties actually it wasn't that bad um, and continuing on that vein this film is as direct a sequel to Enterprise as I think we've seen the yep. Makos are in it. The NX shuttle pod was in it. Yep. And although the Franklin is a new design, it's obviously Big. heavily inspired Big. by yeah, the right. NX class. Yeah. Um, and and even now, of course, it's sort of blink and you'll miss it. A bit like the shuttle pod. It's all the uniforms from Enterprise. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was like, oh, wow, there you go. Because as Doug Drexler was saying in, in our interview episode, um, you know, what's the one ship that's constant across all... Star Trek, whether you believe they're all alternate realities, whatever, into 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 darkness. Well, yeah, into darkness because it's physically in into darkness in model form. Yeah. Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and the original. It's the NX01. It's the connecting tissue. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, which I really liked, and I love sitting in the cinema going like, I was not expecting to see the NX shuttle pod in this film, and we did, and I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was really nicely done. One of the things as well that I did enjoy about this is that there was the discussion about where all of it um, has, like, where kind of, like, you know, between, say, like, the formation of Starfleet or the United Federation of Plans and all that kind of thing and how it's, you know, kind of a peace kind of, like, kind of, you know, the peaceful organization. It's not a military one. And even at the end, the confrontation between um, Kirk and I'm not too sure which which name to give Idris Elba's character at this point, and oh, yeah. he kind of says, you know, like like there was a war, but like the war is over now. Like like we're different now. Like and I enjoy that because again, it it gives a depth to what's going on in that the other two films just did not give you at all. Like and again for Kirk, then it's a kind of reminder. Wait a second. This is why I'm actually here because this is what I do, and I do it really well. I also like the fact that Idris Elba did actually give Chris Pine a black eye, and um, by accident, he did not, did he? He did, yeah. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, the black eye that Kirk has at the end is actually a real black eye that Idris Elba gave him, and they decided to keep it in, like, like in reality, like you know, a medical scanner would have it cleared up in like a, ma- a microsecond. A second, yeah, like. But oh, well, that's, that's, I didn't know that. That's good. No, if you actually watch the fight scene, you actually see the punch. Like he actually does, he does in, unintentionally clock him in the face. Like it's actually oh. gassed. But like, you know I, what? Actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no you go ahead, Matthew. Um, th- my my criticism. Of Kral is that if you're gonna cast Kidris, cast Kid- Kidris Elba. Kidris know, Elba, it's, it's late, man. It's late when we're recording this. Yeah, um, <laughs> Idris Elba. Don't put him under put so much up. prosthetics for the whole film. They look good, but if you're gonna tease us with him coming back to Nor, do it sooner. I did think the vampire thing was a bit silly though. 
the where you know the, the machine sucks the life out of oh people. yeah 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 I did think do, that I that didn't that didn't do, do it for me. Do you know what it reminds you of like the scene when uh crawl takes the, the energy from the two people yeah uh, right in front of Uhura. Have you ever seen the dark crystal? I have actually oh yeah oh yeah oh that is not a kid's film that is there's a scene uh, in that like where the Skeksis literally grab one I can't remember what the name of the little beings were but they grab one of them they plonk him in a chair Gelfling or no it's not a Gelfling it's, there's another one I can't remember what it is but they put him in a chair and they basically slap the thing on him basically just sucks his basically his life out of him like and effectively that's what this is here like so it's kind of yeah, it's the same it's the same basic kind of deal like um, like Again, it does descend into a bit of mind just schlock as well in places like with the whole motorbike thing, which I was there going, okay, I'm just about on board. I can, I, I can, I can take it. I can handle it. It's okay. But there go. I was, I'm still slightly on the fence about the whole motorcycle thing. I, I, I know what you mean. I think at this, at that point of the film, and also it had been in the trailer, so I kind of yeah, had a bit of time yeah, to get yeah, used yeah. to it. And that's where a lot of the complaints, right or wrong, but that's where a lot of the complaints come from the trailer. It's like, what are I, you doing? But I think when you've watched the movie up to that point, I think the movie has gotten given you enough positive vibe that you kind of are going, John, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. It's actually okay. And I have to say, though, I do think Kirk beaming out and jumping and grabbing onto Jayla, I think that's good. It's I totally, did like that. It's totally Fast and the Furious, but yeah. it's good. 100%. Also, it's, it's kind of funny. I did a list there recently about, you know, things about the transporter you need to know. And it seems like it's a nod back to the original days of like, I think they did change this by the time Next Gen came around. But on the original series, you will never see anyone moving in a transporter beam because they couldn't. Like, like, the, the, like the effects team at the and time, like, like, no, no, you yeah. stood absolutely still. You don't move a muscle. That's mm-hmm. quite, whereas this is just, as you say, he's diving through the air. And even actually, if I think about it, I think there might be a joke in the first one. It's like, hold on. I got two people who have fallen off a mountain and and onto the same path. That was pretty good. No, uh, he's, he says that he says that at the end after they get them off the Narada. Or sorry, no, Kirk, Spock is on the jellyfish. Kirk is on the Narada, and he says That's I got was, two people from two locations into one transform platform. Because Chekhov gets them off Vulcan. You're right. Yeah. Yes, that's um, right. In in um in the original series, um, I don't know if you know this, but you can't beam within the starship. Did I know? I don't think I did remember that. Day of the Dove confirmed that Scott says the Kirk at one point you cannot beam internally within a starship. Um, now there you have it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but overall, like I like it's definitely kind of like it's it shouldn't have gotten the kind of dismissiveness that it on and the apathy that it got. Um, as yeah. you said, it wasn't advertised enough at all, like in terms of the 50th anniversary and things like that. I did like the scenes where they give um, Spock, you know, Leonard Nimoy's stuff and the picture of the cast from Star Trek V. I liked I, that. Yeah, I, I thought did. that was nice. Yeah. I didn't like the conversation between Kirk and Spock when Spock is kind of laughing. And... Uh, or sorry, Spock oh, and McCoy and Spock. Spock and McCoy, yes. Yeah. And, and they're going, oh, come on. Like, I was there, you're doing so well here. <laughs> going, Do you know what? Like... Actually, I, te- I tell you what it might be is because I'd been so fecked off with Spock's emotion in Into Darkness. Yes. The fact that it was so less state and, and that he went, oh, my God, you must be feeling delirious. You know, that, that kind of thing. 
I thought, okay, do you know what? I, 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 I can get behind that because it is weird that, um, you know, uh, you know, Spock is feeling emotion that he's doing anything. And I do like that they address that. But at the same time, I, I get it because it is strange. But I, I think it suffers as well of like, so if there was a Star Trek four, you know, it's going to be, ah, yes. And, you know, when does he, you know, show jealousy? You know, when does he, do, what's the next emotion we're going to, we're getting them all. Yeah, um, correct. Yeah, and we do. But, we, we just don't need them. Like at this point, it depends who the hell writes it. Like, it's like there's been about yeah. twenty seven writers for the next Star Trek movie at some point, and things yeah. like that. I did really enjoy the um, the destruction of Enterprise. I thought that was well done. I did enjoy that. Do you know what? I thought it looked great. I mm-hmm. thought it. Was, I I really liked the whole thing. I felt nothing. That yeah. was my problem. I didn't. There was. I'm sorry, Enterprise. I, I, I didn't catch in my throat or anything, no. uh, because and the rest of the film doesn't do this. But I was sitting there with the bingo card, going, "All right, Star Trek Three. What happened in Star Trek Three? Well, the Enterprise <laughs> was destroyed. Okay, yeah, we're going to tick that off." And I and I thought as well. Unfortunately, I thought that the so the actual losing the nacelles. I thought that was like that was probably the most shocking bit of all of it. Yeah, because I thought when the saucer switch was going down, I was like, "Am I watching Generations?" <laughs> right or wrong? Like I'm, I'm being very harsh now as I say that. But I'm just like, although funnily enough, I really do like the scene on the crashed saucer section. Yes, I think that's, that's very fun, and it's like, Ooh, okay, actually, to be you. There is one scene in that in the crashed saucer section that does go back to the old bit of dude bro Kirk, which is when. Um, he's trying to ignite the thruster mm. and he's pointing the weapon down and Chekhov is kind of there going, now you have to aim for a certain thing and at this distance, I don't think you'll get it and Kirk is there, it's it's a circle, right? And he shoots and says, no sir, it's a square and he's there, yeah, that's what I said that's the only kind of do bro Kirk comes back in, but it works I actually yeah. find it quite amusing because Chekhov is just totally freaking out like about it, but again it's it, like I like the fact that in this in the way that, you know, in the in Into Darkness, Marcus kind of basically says to him, like, you're an idiot. We set you up because you're an idiot. And because you're an idiot, you completely walked into this. And I like here in this, Kirk has copped on that you want is bad. And he's just trying to find out where Kral's base is. And he knows full well she'll communicate and he'll pick it up. And I like that in the, mm. in the crash saucer because you're kind of there going, like, yeah, he's actually smart now. Like, he actually can cop onto this and see if this is going to happen. Because, like, uh, it, it, it's that kind of, that that argument between, you know, when you're introducing a new character, you want to see them learn, mm. but then you have to strike that balance of, you don't want them to be all powerful from the beginning yes. because then yeah. there's no challenge. Um, but then you, you then don't want it to be too long before mm. they start to get good at their job. I mean, arguably it took three films, although there is a lot in each of the films of Kirk being good. But yes, overall, it, it is kind of by this one, it's like, right, like you said it perfectly, this is Captain Kirk. Yes. Both previous films. Where I'd even say, even though I, I'm just making this as I go along, uh, Ensign slash Lieutenant Kirk was in 09. Lieutenant Commander slash Commander Kirk is in Into Darkness. Captain Kirk is in Beyond. Um, and presumably then we'll see. Uh, I, I think, as far as I know, as of recording, 4 is happening, but again, we'll believe it when we see it. I think, actually, you you you, you reference it very quickly there, but I'm just going to call, call back to it. I, di- I love the montage scene at the start of the movie. I about just basically so good. 
this is what life in space is like. And I just, I think it's really good. And I really like as well when Kirk beams back onto the Enterprise after the, um, the, oh, the Verbonans. Um, you know, good, a, good memory. I mm. beat him up and all that kind of thing. And just the way he says, the, I ripped my shirt again. And I love yeah. it. It's not that he ripped his shirt. It's that he's ripped it again. And I just think that's hilarious because Kirk's in the original series, his shirt was always ripped. And yeah. I love the, 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 the it, it's, the, that's the kind of reference I love. A simple, small, subtle reference that doesn't scream at you. If you pick up on it, that's fine. And if you don't pick up on it, that's also fine. And it works. And I think it's a great, I, I think it's a great line. Like overall, as a movie, it said, you know, when I watched, when I watched it recently, as they're going to like, it, it actually puts me in a good mood watching it because I think it's good. I think like small things, you've got a proper captain in charge. You've got really good uniforms. The special effects are bloody great. What was really sh- shocking when I was watching it is that the attempt to escape from Kral's base, like I think it's like only an hour and 20 into it. Like, and you're there going like, Jesus. Oh, it's a, sh- it's a very punchy film. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really short. Because think of it, the start and then like kind of, you know, being in the star base and all that and leaving to go to uh, Ultimate and all that kind of thing. Like it happens so fast. Do you know one thing is, and I, I had to see it twice to understand it. I did not cop on when uh, your one was being given the Universal Translator. I never copped on when she starts speaking. So I was there going, is that the computer talking for ages? And in, oh, it was only watching it the see. second time I heard the computer say "Universal Translator active," and it says, "Are you are you hearing me? Are you understanding me?" I said, "Ah, right now I get it." That is that is. I actually, and you know what? That is, I think, a strength of this film, and something they've done well in Trek since is the Universal Translator, because I mean, obviously, it was for for pure handiness reasons in the earlier Trek. Like you know, you kind of had. You couldn't really go, oh, they're all speaking different languages. And we'll have to do this and do that. Whatever. That's fine. Um, I really like it. I think it works really, really well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think now. What, what else? The, the actual, sorry, Starbase Yorktown is beautiful. And I, there is no question in my mind you will get this straight away. Why does it have that name, Joseph? Because the original name of the Enterprise is Yorktown. It was indeed, yes. Um, t- ten extra points. What was the registry of the Yorktown? The original one that they were the going to make. One. Oh God, yeah. no! I, I, I can't remember that one. That's that. That that that's all right. It is, it is a bit of an obscure one. SS seventeen seventeen. I did not know that. Do you know actually one thing that this brings back as well is it actually brings back the majesty of what a starship actually is. Yes, which, which yes, we haven't. Perfect. We haven't seen it since like the you know the search for Spock when Enterprise comes back into space like and you really really see how big a starship actually is and you see this here when it comes into Yorktown like I think the, the the montage again of Yorktown is class and then you just see the Enterprise flying through these tons and it's massive and it looks class and the music goes along with it perfectly as well it's brilliant did you actually actually because I only just saw this today funny timing I am okay so sorry everyone who's listening to this on audio for the benefit of everyone Joseph I'm sending you a picture of the ship that was sitting behind the Enterprise A there's high res I only saw the first time it's on WhatsApp there I've just sent it to you the Salicom class or the Salcom class that's the ship that you see in like the tiniest tiniest little uh, like pan as you're going around like where that bit where the Enterprise A is being built and in the at the end of the film Oh, um, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. There is a ship behind it. And for you, I thought it was maybe a Miranda class or something. It's not. It's that one that I've just sent you a picture of there. 
And I, I um, Salcom class. I'm sorry now that I, I, I want to see if I can get the. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know who designed it. Um, sorry to the designer now. Uh, oh, hang on, Memory Alpha. You haven't, you haven't failed me yet, Memory Alpha. Did you know um, as well? I didn't notice at all. But in Star Trek Three, when the Enterprise comes back into space dock. Mm-hmm. And you see the enterprise flying in, and you see Excelsior off to the right hand side. On yeah. the left hand side, yeah, triangular enterprise is actually there. It is indeed, yeah. That's class. Um, no, okay, it doesn't. It does named after the lead CGI artist on the montage, uh, Reese Salcom. Lovely. There we go. So yeah, so that's that montage where the Enterprise A is being built. Which, what do you think of that time lapse of the Enterprise A being built? Yeah. It looks the exact same. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm kind of there going, it's the same bloody ship. Like, oh no, oh no, the, the Enterprise A, it's, if you look, if, if you, you, you'll see it again in a minute if you look at the picture, it's, it's much beefier. Uh, and, and the way, like, for example, the struts of the nacelles, they, they are directly in line with the Bussard collectors. Okay. Um, which I don't love. Sorry, I don't love. Um, <laughs> and uh, because I, I it, look, it's not my place to, crap on somebody else's design um it just i i i like one of the reasons i like the beyond enterprise is that it's more spindly yeah. it's more streamlined and i do prefer ships that are like that that's just me personally i'm not saying it's a bad design uh as i try not to get cancelled um <laughs> but i i did love just seeing 1701a again mm. it's tiny and i mean it's in the film for like 20 seconds mm. or something um, which is what I mean to everyone listening to this, you know, I have somewhat of an obsession with collecting Star Trek models. There isn't an Eagle Moss model of the Enterprise A because uh, Ben Robinson said they didn't want to do one because they knew it was going to get refit for Star Trek four. Now this was back yeah. in 2016, 2017, he was saying this. Um, and obviously there's been so much else in the collection. It's just, it's really been pushed to the side. Mm. Uh, and I do understand the logic because now that again, touch wood, there's some starter four seems to be on the way. I'm sure it will be redesigned. Um, it could be slightly, it could be heavily, but then they go and make a whole ton of models based on that ship that is then not seen again. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Question for you. Does, Oh, do all three movies end with the same music that's in the revamp of the original series TV team? I, know I think so. And of the three of them, hmm. 09 is my least favorite. I do not like that wee little remix there because they then do a straightforward, a just lift of the theme in Into Darkness. And I think it plays over Kirk's speech, actually. Space, the final frontier. Um, breathe in, right? We have, we've discussed this before as well. And I said before that the, um, Oliver Harper, the video reviewer he's on youtube if you haven't watched hmm. him please do look him up he's absolutely great um he was saying when he was reading the star trek movies he said that he felt that like the star wars films they should all have the same theme at the end of it and hmm. i always disagreed with that because i always felt the start the star wars movies are very connected in terms of the story that they tell and things like that which would make sense plus they're the same composer but with regards to star trek films they're all so different with the exceptions obviously of the wrath of Khan, the search for spock because they're very similar and they've got the same composer so i was always of the opinion that they should have a different team at the end of it that they shouldn't all kind of be the same i think it works better what do you think for these three should they have had individual teams at the end of it instead of just jumping straight into the original kind of uh into the original remix say end titles i, I actually yeah, I, I think i'm 
I'm, I'm more with you on that one now that because the great fun of the original series team in 09 uh, that is then replicated entirely for Into Darkness and again for Beyond. Um, like it was fun the first time. Yes. Although it clearly wasn't lazy. It kind of feels like, oh, okay. When you see her again, yes. it's the same. In fairness, it's the same criticism I have for the ending credits of Search for Spock. They mm. are the, end, the ending credits for Rock exactly. It's like yeah, note for note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing that I love now, one I, I actually I, I have a long-standing, yeah, because there's nothing we can do about it. But criticism of the Star Trek series, which I'm going to be really careful how I phrase because it's also it's not a weakness in any way, is the lack of musical continuity. So one thing that I really like about the Jerry Goldsmith scored films mm. is that you nearly have your almost throne room-esque start to the theme that then kicks into the individual film's theme. Yeah. So you have motion picture, we go, kicks, you know, the Enterprise theme goes into Wiley's theme. You have Final Frontier, Enterprise theme goes into the Klingon theme. Yes. And then... Uh, First Contact Insurrection and Nemesis, which I, I I love all of. Actually, I think Nemesis is nearly my favorite because it starts with Blue Skies. Um, and I love that. And you don't get that with two, three, four, uh, six, and seven, all yeah. of which I love. I just want to, again, and particularly six. I love Cliff Island's score for six. Um, but I would, I, I would almost like start each of the closing credits with the dun, 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 and then have the individual film theme then play as they do uh, again you know it's only really Derry Goldsmith that was able to do that you know um, yeah. yes because like like for me the best opening to an ending team is the voyage home Oh, yeah, because it has the original series theme. It has that big statement as they reveal the Enterprise A, actually, much like this film. Um, and, and I do love that. that oh, I, actually, as it pans, I only because I only watched the Voyage on there the other day, you know, as it's pulling out of space dock. And it's like... Yeah, exactly. It's different. Like, it's... Yeah, it's like it's 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 a great transition into the end credits, like, and then the end credits just takes off its own kind of way altogether, like. No, oh, that was about to start humming "Wrath of Khan" there. But overall, Sean, would you recommend Star Trek Beyond? Hundred percent, yes. I think it's again. I I think this one relies a little bit heavier on having seen not just Star Trek but the previous Kelvin films. Yes. Um. Whereas Into Darkness, if you've seen any Star Trek, you'll probably be okay. Um, but uh, 100%, yes, I think it is a wonderful, fun film. I think it's a... I won't say it's grown-up Trek for the Kelvin universe, but it's definitely coming out of its adolescence. Yeah, very um, much so. I, I, like, I, I think at this point, it's kind of leaving behind the should he be captain or not kind of thing. It's yeah. kind of, yeah, he's captain. Like, yeah. that, that's quite the way this is going to be like. Um, also, some of the humor in this film lands really well. You gave your girlfriend a homing device? <laughs> that was not my intention. And then, you know, it's so funny. She's she's wearing the necklace at the end, and McCoy looks over, and Spock is just eyeballing him. Like, that works. And that was very funny, and Quinto makes no jokes. And yeah. it's very funny. You and know? I like I like even small things, like when he when Kirk is on the bridge of the Franklin, and uh, he is, 
uh, he's about to walk over to the captain's chair and Jayla sits there and he just Kirk's there, oh, pardon me. And yeah. she doesn't say anything and it's great because he's he's Captain Kirk and he's, well, I'm the captain. I'm on a ship, yeah. so I'm the captain. That's my seat. And she's there just, going, Scotty's like, he likes that seat. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Love it. Um, so they're, really, were... they're really good. They're really good. I, I, I hope... I Probably everyone listening to this has seen the films. Mm. But if you haven't, um, do, you know, do enjoy them. I will, till my dying day, I will take a crap on Star Trek Into Darkness. But every one of each of the three of them deserve to be watched. They are they are well made for the most part films. So how would you rank them? Uh, one, three, two. I'd actually go three, one, two myself, actually. I'm, it, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that ranking as well. Yeah, but, I think, it, but again, as I said to you, it's it. it, it like it's so funny. I might I might bash Charter Go Nine, but obviously people in Audio Land you can't see it. They're like the, the the movie poster's right above me here, like in the office at home. Like so, like again, it's it's a seminal movie. It needs it, it. We needed it but from a point of view of storytelling and kind of everyone being in place. I prefer, I prefer Beyond. I just think it's a much more settled movie, and I think yeah. it just it works really well. I think yeah, and everyone had settled in to their own characters. Yeah. Re- really enjoy it really enjoy it so Sean thank you very much and everyone thank you very much for listening along um, so without further ado I suppose we'll talk to you at some point next week if it's not uh, talking DS9 or whatever Sean will be doing an interview or something but we'll be back in some point in the future thanks Looking everybody to it. thanks everyone bye, bye.